two more weeks left of our series, I think, uh, but uh, we're, we're talking about wineskins. Today we're going to be talking about an uh, ouch subject called pruning. <laughs> Everybody loves that? Yeah, all right, Lord's going to prune me. Ooh, yes. Uh, so let's read our theme verse here. One day some people said to Jesus, John the Baptist's disciples fast and pray regularly, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. Why are your disciples always eating and drinking? Jesus responded to the wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom. Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. Then Jesus gave them this illustration. No one tears a piece of cloth from a new garment and uses it to patch an old garment. For then the new garment would be ruined and the new patch wouldn't even match the old garment. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins for the new wine would, be, would burst the wineskins. Spilling the wine and ruining the skins... New wine must be stored into new wineskins. But here's the, here's the catch. But no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. They say the old is just fine. All right, so just to review what we've been talking about, for those who haven't been a part of this series, uh, Jesus is dealing with a highly, highly, highly religious system with the Pharisees. Um, you know, they've created so many rules outside of the Torah that they were following, rules that called the oral tradition in which the Torah says, keep the Sabbath holy. The oral tradition says, here's how to keep that Sabbath holy. And so we create all these rules and, okay, you know, how you create fire and don't do this today. And you have, it's, you know, such and such time you have to stop doing this. And, you know, even like untying your shoe, you know, I mean, you just could not do that in the oral tradition, you know. So all this stuff was, was becoming burdensome for people. And they're like, I just can't take it. I can't do it. And Jesus was coming along and says, look, you can't patch up the old system with where I'm going here. I am the new system. And uh, I'm the system that makes you right with God, not how much you follow every single piece of the law. Um, and so the parable shows this new cloth is incompatible with the old cloth and that wineskins were made out of goat skin. You know, the, the, they were made out of these stomachs of goat skins or, or bladder, and they were sewed up, and they were sealed up, and then, then they would take those goat skins, and they would fill them with new wine, and the new wine hadn't fermented yet, so the gases would, 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 would expand, and then the new wineskin would expand with it. The problem was, when the wineskin was used and old, it became brittle and hard, and it couldn't handle the new wineskin, so it didn't have any room to expand. The, the wine would would explode and, and break everything. And so uh, Jesus was saying, look, I am the new wine. I am the new way of relating to God. But like all parables, this parable has many, many truths to it, right? That's the beautiful, beautiful thing about parables. When Jesus would give parables, it was like you could take about 10 different ways with that. And, and he actually talked about the parables. He said, I speak in parables because those who are really listening and seeking they're going to hear what I'm having to say. And those who are not listening, they're going to be clueless. They're going to go, I don't know what in the world he's talking about. And that was the way he designed it. So, um, so the first truth is obvious. The, the, the legalistic way of following the rules to earn your right standing with God doesn't work. Jesus came to, to, to not to give us more rules, or, but to fulfill the law so that we don't have to earn our way to heaven. It, it comes through him. But here's another truth of the parable. Wine is the symbol of the Holy Spirit, right? And the wineskins are a picture of our hearts. 
So the Holy Spirit wants to do a new work in us. Constantly, he's trying to get us to do new works. He wants to stretch us. And if we don't have the cap- capacity to take that, we'll, we'll, we'll just, I don't know what that means. We'll explode. I don't know what that means, but uh, won't be good. Let me just say that. But one of the things I want to put out, when Jesus said new wine must be put in the new wineskins, what's interesting is the two words that he uses for new wine and new wineskins. The Greek here for new wine is the word um, uh, neos, which means brand new young. So brand new, never used before. But the word used for new wineskins is the word kynos, which means new but also fresh or renewed. Now, Matt should make some of us feel a little bit better. What he's saying is, I want to pour the new wine into you, but you've got to renew your wine skin. You've got to make it fresh. And there was actually a way to be done. When it became dry and brittle, they would actually take this thing, submerge it in water for several days, and then they would take olive oil. You know, I mean, there's a whole lot you could do there. Wash it in the water of the Word, the oil of the Holy Spirit. I mean, you just go on and on and on. But they would put oil, and they would rub that oil in there, and that wineskin would become pliable and flexible again. I mean, this is a beautiful picture for us. We become dried out because of life and use. <laughs> we stop listening to the new thing God is doing in our life. We live off of yesterday's word. We live off of yesterday's bread, yesterday's revelation, yesterday's sacrifice, yesterday's surrender. We live off all of that. And God says, I can't use this vessel because you're not, you're not pliable. You're not ready to take the new word. And the truth is, Who really wants to change, right? I mean, who wants to change? I read a quote that says, people don't resist change, they resist being changed. (laughs) So the message never changed, the truth doesn't change, and the truth doesn't change. Let me just say that because it's not popular anymore. Truth doesn't change, the Word of God doesn't change, but the method and the medium does. How God speaks to each one of us, I mean... The next gen- generation has, has to be reached in a new way. And uh, every generation has its own music. Every generation has its own art, its own way of thinking. You know, I posted this on Facebook a while ago, but my kids love this music that I just, just horrible. You know, I don't know if you saw my Facebook post, but um, I-, I was talking about, they love this like game theme, video game theme music. Any, ki- any parents have the kids getting into that? Oh my goodness. I mean, and it's like, some of it's like, and then they have this one song called Guinea, Guinea Pig Olympics, Olympics, and then you guys, Baby Shark, dun, 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 baby sh-. and you know they're actually using that Baby Shark, I'm no kidding, in terrorist camps, or in not terrorist camps, but, but to literally play over and over to make somebody talk. <laughs> baby Shark, dun, I mean, and they're like... It works on me because they can ask me anything after playing that. So just, just fine, just fine, whatever. So I don't know if you parents, sometimes we, we, we say, well, let me show you some real music, you know, and it depends on what mood I'm in. You know, I might go, well, listen to this, you know, here comes a sun, here comes the sun, and I say, it's all right. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, and they're like, 
I said, what about this? Yo, stop. Collaborate and listen. Ice is back with a brand new invention. Something grabs a hold of me tightly. Flows like a harpoon daily and nightly. Will it ever stop? I don't know. Turn off the lights and I'll glow. Or I'll get in the Christian mood and I'm just like, you got to listen to DC talk, man. I'm like, you know, one, I was like, God is doing it. God is doing a new thing. Or what would people think when they hear that I'm a Jesus freak? Oh, yeah. All right. Here's the deal. It's funny, but they look at it and they go, this is terrible. And I'm like, well, your music's terrible, you know? Here, but here's the point. If we try to put on our children, this next generation, the, the way we connected with God, and we force them to say, you will like this. This is the way you connect with God. They'll dismiss us. Oh, he's just old. He doesn't know what he's doing. Um, I mean, how many times have we said, oh, these kids, there's, there's no substance to that. It's all emotion. Well, it probably was all emotion for us, too, at a certain time in our life. But somebody came along and brought maturity and said, here's how to do things. And we will dismiss them and say, well, you, you just, you're not connected with God. And really what it is, it's an old wineskin that we've got. And, we've, and I just want to charge every person in, the, in this room. I mean, I don't know what age kids, what, what age is old now? I don't know. Once you're 20, you're old, right? And um, I just encourage you. That's why we, we don't try to segregate everybody. We, we believe we're a family. And a families have moms and dads and grandpas and grandpas and kids. And so, but one of the things is we have to act like that. And the way we act like that is, and it really has to come from the grandpas and the grandmas, is you have to begin to pour into the next generation. You just say, I love, hey, love you. Man, the way you're going after Jesus, I love it. I love it. And you may be inside going, I don't know what these, these kids are listening to. <laughs> bring, the, bring the maturity as you do. But yeah. God wants to put a new wineskin for the new season. He wants to make us flexible and pliable. So what does that new wineskin look like? Well, I think it's different for all of us. Some of it could be the fruits of the Spirit. The Lord wants to pour love, joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control in us. He says, I can't, I can't, you don't have enough self-control. You're not, I can't hand you new wine because you're, you're out of control. You have no discipline in your life. And he's saying, I, I want to do this, but I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying to work this out in you. It might be the new, new gifts, gifts of prophecy and evangelism and miracles and healings. It could be a new business, a new ministry, a new position at work, more influence, more favor, more freedom, more joy. All those things are good. God's wanting to do it, but he's like, I've got to get you pliable again to receive the new thing. And so Jesus said, some will say, well, the old is fine. You know, I don't want the new. You know, one of the things I was sharing with our team that I say every once in a while um, is I just have this weird moment where I'm in, like, just sitting, thinking about church and thinking about you and, Lord, what do you want to do? And I have this weird moment, and, I, and I, all of a sudden I have this thought. I go, you know what? We can do whatever we want 
to do here. And I know that if you haven't grown up in church, you have no clue. But when you've grown up in church, literally since you were in the womb, that's all you've ever known, you have a way of doing church. And then there's times where I feel like the Holy Spirit saying, get that old wineskin out of there. There is a new, just listen to me. You can do whatever you want that I put in your heart. It doesn't have to look like what every other place looks like. And I really, I'm telling you, that's an old wineskin that the Lord's working on me. But many times we get stuck. We don't want to change. We're afraid of the new thing. We're afraid of the lack of stability, the loss of relationship, changing relationship. We can settle into what, We've always known, and we could totally miss God. You know, I was reading this week about um, Netflix. So Netflix, back in 2000, had a meeting in September of 2000 here in Dallas with Blockbuster Video. You ever heard of this? <laughs> Blockbuster Video, they wanted... So Netflix was in trouble. You know, remember Netflix? You'd send the, the, the DVDs, you'd you know, send out, and they'd d- deliver a DVD, and you watch it and send it home. But there's like, okay... The new wave is online. And so they, they said, there, hey, we're toying with the idea. Why don't we come together? You want to, Blockbuster, you buy us out. And we'll, Blockbuster, you take the online stores and we'll take, or, I'm sorry, we'll, you'll take the local stores and we'll do all the online stuff. And here's what, and, and they says, look, this is the catch. He says, why don't you buy us out, Blockbuster, for $50 million? Okay, now that may not seem like a lot, but let me tell you, or that may seem like a lot, but listen. So Blockbuster CEO said, the dot-com hysteria is totally overblown. (laughs) The business and the models of Netflix and just about every other online business were not sustainable and would never make money. He laughed at the Netflix CEO and called him a joke. Netflix is now worth $30 billion. And where's Blockbuster? (laughs) Yes, there's one left in Bend, Oregon, that is like, a, it's like a vintage store that you can go to and pick out like, oh, remember the old times we did this? Isn't that crazy? God wants us to be on the cutting edge of what he's doing. Here's the beautiful thing. He already knows what he's going to do. We don't have to predict the markets. He already tells us, I'm about to do a new thing. We have his Holy Spirit teaching us what is the new thing. And one of the ways that he makes us pliable again to receive the new thing is that word pruning. <sighs> so sorry, I'm going to use two metaphors at the same time. But the process of pruning is vital for the new wineskin. <laughs> How do you like that? We can't receive the new wine until we are vessels prepared to receive it. And I think it, one of the things that happens is through pruning. And here's the thing. I don't care what age you are. You can be on the cutting edge of what God's doing. Moses was 80 when he led the children of Israel out of Egypt. Josiah was just a teenager when he led a spiritual awakening in Judah. It doesn't matter what age you are. But there are times when God begins to take us through a pruning process because certain things are getting out of whack. Our priorities, our passions, our building idols in our life. So I just want to read John 15 here. This is the, what that verse is, that passage is. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned, he's talking to his disciples, and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. 
For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Man, that's a, that's a bold statement Jesus made right there. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered in a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to the Father. Amen. So as believers, we should be producing fruit. What does that fruit look like? Well, it's, it's our character and it's our good works. This is not a salvation thing. Fruit in our life should, should be our character, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and it should be us doing things for the kingdom of God. It's an overflow. It's not to earn our reward in heaven. That's already done by the cross. It's, but it's, out of, it's, it's a result of what God is doing in our life. We give good works out to people in need. And so many times our character can't sustain what God wants to do in us, so he waits to pour the new wine until we have the character to sustain it. Um, a good gardener will prune its plants so the trees are flourishing and healthy and beautiful and, and produces fruit. And, the, and God is the same good gardener in us, and he prunes us so we produce much fruit. So let me just add, this is not punishment from God when he prunes us. It's not punishment. Just like it's not punishment to the tree, when I prune the tree, I'm not punishing the tree. I'm actually loving the tree, and I know I'm even cutting healthy branches, but I see, oh, this one's not going to be good in the end. And so we're going to ask two questions. Why does God prune us, and how does he prune us? And so we're going to just basically use what, in the natural, how to, why do we prune trees? So let's, let's go through that. Number one. We prune trees to remove what's dead or dying. All right? When tree lips don't get enough sunlight, they be, because it's overgrown, they don't get enough nutrients, and eventually they die off, and those dead branches need to be pruned and cut off. In the same way, I think, our lives, we have stuff in our lives that are dead and dying and need to be cut off. I don't know if you, about you, are you carrying any dead branches around with you? This could be relationships. This could be ministries. This could be commitments. This could be jobs. You know, sometimes it's a total cut off of the branch, and sometimes it's a pruning back a little bit. There are relationships that we have that are no longer life-giving, but we feel so guilty for, ch- for changing them. We, we feel, oh, I can't do this to so-and-so. Man, we've always been close. And there are seasons and times where those relationships need to be pruned back. You know, hanging out with the guys three to four days a week till 3 a.m. playing whatever video game that you guys play, that's okay. But when you're married and you're doing that three to four days a week and you got a wife at home with a kid and you're like, oh, honey, I'm just, I'm, hold on, I'll be there at home. That becomes... A relationship that needs to be pruned, right? Like, hey, now where the life is, the life is moved from the boys. They may be really good, but now the life is the kids and the family. That's where the life is. And God's saying, I need more nutrients over here, and this is taken away from what you need to do over here. Sometimes we have to give boundaries to parents. It's a tough one. It's quiet in here. When our marriage, when we get in a marriage, we say, Mom, you, you can't step in anymore, okay? You can't step in like that. 
I, I have to prune this a little bit. I'm not cutting you off. I just got to prune it because we're a marriage now. We're a new family. And, and when you step in, it just creates all kinds of havoc. And we're, sometimes what happens is we have to learn, right, Carolyn, to create boundaries. She's teaching that on next Saturday. All right. We got to learn to create boundaries. You might be trying to live for God, and you've got friends who do not want you to live for God. Proverbs 1.10 says, My child, if sinners entice you, turn your back on them. Turn your back on them. You might be new in the Lord. You're trying to live for Him, and every time you hang out with your old friends, you feel bad. You feel like, man, I just, I feel, ah, just, they, they keep pulling me back into my old thinking, my old patterns. And you might need to cut that branch off, but you're like, but I'm supposed to be a light. Well, you are supposed to be a light, but if you go to those friends and you say, look, I'm living for Jesus now. And, and you should too. And they totally reject you. And they, and they, every, and they, and you don't feel like you have the strength to come up underneath and say no. Then maybe it's a time to cut that branch off. Because I, my health and my soul is more important right now. Ministries you've been doing for years and years and years out of duty, but you've lost passion. In fact, the passion's over there now, but you feel bad. I've been doing this and they expect me and all this kind of stuff. It's okay to say, I think God's putting a new wineskin in me. Now, I wouldn't suggest going to them and say, hey, you know, you're a dead branch. I'm cutting you off. (laughs) I wouldn't suggest that. But you know what's interesting is anytime that I've seen that happen, sometimes that person that's been leading that will say, thank you. Because there's somebody waiting in the wings that's just waiting to to do this. and, and, And I could tell that you weren't real passionate about it, but out of honor of our friendship... So sometimes those things need to happen. I love what Medea says, the great theologian Medea. <laughs> says, there are some people who are in your life for a season and some for a lifetime. And we get into all kinds of messes when we put lifetime expectations on seasonal people. It's okay to let someone go. It's okay if they're hurting you, causing you to sin, bringing you down. Heed the voice of God and let that be pruned in your life. The second type of thing that needs to be pruned is some, you prune for, for infection or disease or insects. When a tree has been, a branch has been affected by insects, it can affect the whole tree. And you know, bitterness and anger are the fruits of an affection going on in your soul, and it has to be cut off immediately in your heart. And what you have to recognize is it's literally stealing life from the rest of my tree, if you will. And you have to, when you start feeling like, man, I'm just constantly thinking about this, I'm bitter, I'm angry, it's all coming out, you have to look and you say, you have to get to the place where you say, this thing is stealing the life out of me and I'm sick of it. Lord, I got to get free of this thing. This thing has to be cut off. I cannot allow this any longer in my life. The conviction of the Holy Spirit brings correction. How you treat people, your integrity. God will at times speak over you and say, Hey, I'm trying to get your attention. Repent. Forgive. Turn from your sin. And at some point, if you don't heed His voice, He will begin the pruning process for you. And that's not fun. You'll lose favor. You'll lose opportunities. He'll expose the sin. And you might say, God, why are you doing this to me? Why are you doing this to me? Because it's in my mercy that I'm doing it. It's in my kindness. Because I'm trying to protect you. 
I'm trying to protect you from more damage to yourself and others. You know, I believe the church is going through a pruning right now. I mean, maybe you're not in some of the circles that I am, but there are a lot of pastors that are being exposed right now, and I hate to say that, but it's happening. And it's because God's saying, he's like, I'm in my mercy and my kindness. I'm about to do something amazing in the earth. I'm ready to do support. I mean, it's been spoken and prophesied. God wants to do something. He says, I've got to prune some people back because I want, I want them to, and he doesn't discard them. He, exp- he gives them over and over time to, 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 to repent. And if they don't, he says, I've got to bring this to the light so that I, in their, my mercy they can get restored and healed. But in the meantime, I've got to prune some stuff out because my people are not receiving the word of God the way they should because someone in there is in sin. And God's been doing a pr- pruning for our churches. Sometimes you wonder, why does everyone else seem to get the opportunities. Why does God promote them? I'm just as talented as they are, but God doesn't look your talent. He's looking the heart. He might be pruning you to create humility in your life and total dependency upon you. James 4 says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. God may be teaching you about stewardship. God can't trust you in the little things. He can't trust you in the big things. So he prunes you. He prunes the things that are our priorities that are out of whack. And he highlights and says, look, this is more important, too important to you. I'm going to have to sit you down for a little bit. I'm going to have to prune this thing in your life so that you get your priorities back. I believe the COVID was a, was a big reset. Don't you th- guys think? I mean, so many people were like, what is going on? I'm working so much. My family's missing me. And God used that season as a pruning to say, huh, pause, put on hold. Refocus, get regrounded. Number three, God prunes us for growth and strength. Pruning a tree actually makes the strong the branches stronger and the root structure healthier against the storms of life. Not everything that God prunes in our life is bad, right? Not everything He prunes, but sometimes just keeping us healthy and protecting us from future damage. You know, there's times when God will ask you to do something that is not sin in itself. It's not sin in itself, but if, if you don't heed the voice of God, it can be sin. James just says it right here. He says, look here, you who say today or tomorrow, we're going a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans, and all such boasting is evil. Now listen to this. Remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. That's life being led by the Holy Spirit. There are times when God will say, I want you to prune this thing off. I want you to cut this thing off. It's just too important to you. I have a friend, a pastor... For 10 years, God told him not to go to a movie anymore, to the movies. And it became too important. And so for, for 10 years, God says, I want you to prune this from your life. For 10 years, I don't want you to go anymore. And he didn't go. And it broke the power of that thing off of him. Now he can go and, and feel okay. Sarah and I have rules about what we watch on TV. We have a rule that we, it's a pruning thing that the Lord says, I don't want you to watch rated R movies. Now, is it because I'm holier than you? No. 
It's because I'm listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, and God says, I want you to make more room for me, so I want you to guard your heart so that stuff is not being infiltrated in your life, and so that when I really want to pour into you the new wine, it's not filled up with all the junk. God might speak to you and say, hey, don't let your kids go to a certain friend's house. I know he loves that friend, but you need to prune that relationship. It's not good for him. He might speak to you about their schooling. This is a great school, a great school, but for some reason I hear the Lord saying, this year I need to go homeschool. I've heard parents say that. It's for you. It's the Lord speaking to you. Don't worry about what everybody else is doing. It's what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and is saying, I want to prune this season because I want to do something special. I'm ready to pour out new wine into this family, and this is how it's going to happen for your situation. You might hear, don't put your kid in a sport this year. This year's not the year. This year, you guys are supposed to hang out as a family, and you spend, and I'm not telling you what to do. I'm telling you the things that I've heard other people say. I have friends who say, the Holy Spirit told them, don't drink caffeine. Why? I drink caffeine all the time. I couldn't live without it. But God told them, and there's a reason that we have no clue, but the Lord says, I want to prune this from you. And you might think, well, man, they're just being too legalistic. Well, not when it's led by the Spirit. If it's done to make right standing with God, that's legalism. But if it's done because I'm really just listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, that's really being hearing the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 10 says this, You say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. The Holy Spirit sometimes asks us to do things that are not even sin, but just says, this thing to you, it is sin. Because I've asked you not to do it. I've asked you to set this aside. I've asked you not to go there. I've asked you not to watch this. I've asked, you know, it's on and on. And I could talk about a million examples. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit speak to you about that. But he wants to pour the new wine into you. And sometimes he's saying, I want you to prune this from your life so that you can receive and be more pliable to hear. Number four, lastly, God prunes us to shape us and to mold us into his vision, not ours. Many times a tree will have many branches. that They'll have multiple branches coming out of the trunk. And... Uh, they just going all over the place, right? I mean, just, you know, you guys have trees like, oh my goodness, this tree just is, and it's amazing where they can grow. I mean, we've got one out there that's growing under the concrete, starts pulling concrete up, and that's the power of the seed right there. But these things go all over the place. And so many branches, they, have, they don't have this direction. They're ugly. Pruning can prevent a tree from falling on a house. Anybody had a tree fall on a house before? It's not fun. Pruning could be trying to prune something away from a fire catching because it's right around a power line. Or it could be literally that it's prunings happen because it's the original vision the gardener has for the tree. The gardener is the master designer. The tree just grows. It's the gardener's job to have the vision of what the tree should look like. The problem is we want to be, we're the tree, but we want to be the gardener a lot. That's not our role. That's not our role. 
that's the hardest thing to sometimes recognize. When God begins to shape me, because you get so frustrated, but Proverbs 19 says, you can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. (laughs) Instead of fighting God's way, just surrender and say, Lord, shape me. Shape me. If you want to cut that off, shape me. We'll say, well, this is my gifting. This is where I need to be used. This is where I've always been used. This is what I'm called to do. This is what it should look like. Maybe we're saying, God, I should be further along. Don't look at so-and-so on Instagram. Look how amazing they have, the cars and all this stuff and the influence they have. And Lord, I should be further along. Why can't leadership just see the gift that I have? I mean, I'm here. They should be using my gift. Why does my boss keep overlooking me? Well, you know, a couple things I would think about. Maybe God's building patience in you, and maybe God's opening up a door that's going to be above your boss, and you're all frustrated over here. God, you're pruning this, and God said, no, I've actually got a position over you above your boss. Just be patient. Learn to trust me. Let God shape you. Serve where you, where you are. Flourish where you're at. In the right time, and God will make a way. He, 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 stop stressing over it. Stop trying to control how God is, is shaping you. Get into the flow of what God's doing. Your gift will open up doors. Just be patient and serve. We can develop an old wineskin that gets brittle and hard because we begin to find our identity in what we do and not who we are in Christ. All right? God says, I want you to go over there and I want you to mow the lawn at the church. Come on, all my mowers. We we got Eugene, Doug, Joe's not here. Come on, I saw Eugene out there just, I mean, he was just going, I'm like, hey, man. But God, I have a prophetic gift that would be underutilizing my gift. I have this prophetic gift. I can't go mow a lawn. That's kind of beneath me. Ouch. Just serve where you're at. Let God shape you. He might be trying to teach you something, and you're all up in arms over that. We can actually build an identity around our gift, our position, our influence, the praise of man, our finances that we have, and not have the identity that Christ gave us, which is literally, I am, I am, you are the potter, I am the clay. Lord, you are the gardener, I am just the tree. Lord, I just surrender, do whatever you want to do in me. That's where the fresh wineskins happen, is when we get to that place of surrender. God, however you want to use me, just use me. I know you've given me these gifts, and most, most likely that's where God's going to use you. But sometimes the Lord teaches you how to just go clean toilets or whatever it is to say, I want you to learn about humility and just serving. Yeah. Right. And he's shaping you. He's shaping your character. He's trying to shape you into his image, not your image. That's tough. Um, I want to end with a story. I don't have the worship team up here. I feel bad because I, I feel like I share these stories all the time. It's the same ones over and over, and it, it, it's it's or the same circumstance. But I, you hadn't heard this story. Do you guys get? I, you know, God did a lot in my life during my seasons of moving. You guys ever notice transition? You just learn a lot during transition, right? So I always feel bad. I'm, I'm going to run out of stories, you know, and uh, I'll have to get new ones. Hey, 
I try not to be the pastor that makes them all up, okay? I try to give you the real stuff, all right? So I've heard some embellished ones. I've heard my pastors like, I was there. I don't remember it happened in that way. <laughs> and I was there in that story. Uh, so when I was moving here from Tucson to uh, back to Lucas, um, I had I fought for a year because uh, I don't say this to brag, but you guys kind of know the story. Pastor Ken was calling me to come here. There was about forty people in the church, or or something like that, and uh, he was calling me. He says, "Hey, why don't you come and you serve?" and and uh, I was like really interested in about it. And I'm and, and I'm leading worship at a large church of like four or five thousand people. I've got staff. I've got resources and all this kind of stuff. And I was being paid, which would have been nice too. So. He says, I can't pay you, but you can come on. So for a year, I fought this, but it wasn't, had nothing to do with the money. It literally, I mean, it may be a little bit, but I really trusted God. It had nothing to do with the money. You know what I was afraid of? I was afraid of losing my influence. I was so scared. I was scared. God, I'm going to lose my influence. Here I am. And, you know, we think that we're all something. When you, when you get in these little small church circles, you think you're something special. You're not. Nobody knows who you are outside these circles. Okay, that's the truth. Come on. I just thought, who knows, who knows the name Brian Houston? Okay, see so how many? He's pastor is basically the largest church, Hillsong Church in the world. You don't even know who he is. The point is, those circles are so small. We, we got to get over ourselves in the church, you know, that we think we're something. You know, we're here to serve, serve the world. We're not trying to build our own kingdom. But anyway, I digress. Um, I was so afraid of losing my influence. I'm like, God, I, I can't lose this. I mean, I get opportunities. I'm going to lose opportunities. I'm going to lose, you know... People would ask me to lead worship. I would lead worship at conferences and, and all this stuff. And I, and I had just a bunch of neat things happening around me. And, uh, and the thought of coming and of here was scary. And I had friends who were saying, Jeff, look, Jeff, God always takes you from glory to glory. You, you, you're going to be, this is wrong for you. You should not be going, you, you're at this, you should not be going down to a church. And I said, well, I don't know. I feel like God's, I don't know if that's even biblical, but but you should be going to the next step. This, you're ridiculous. You're making, and I'm like, I don't know. I just, I just followed the Holy Spirit's call. I knew, I knew it was supposed to be here. So I remember, I finally, it took me a year, and I finally got to the point where I said, okay, God, you win. I'll come. I'll lay this down. And um, I remember when I moved here, it was the interesting thing when I moved here, See, when I was in these circles, and I go to conferences and stuff, and people would say, what, 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 "What church you at?" You know, because we're all these pastors talking. You know, they care about stuff that nobody else cares about. But you know, what church you at? And I was like, you know, I was I was Trinity or Victory, and they go, "Oh, that's that big church over there. You're you're there." I said, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah." That was that was my identity. And it's so funny. I remember, I just have these a couple moments here when I moved here. And people, I would, you know, I, I was new to the area. I lived in South Dallas, but I've never moved up here. And, and I'm talking to pastors, and, and they would say, so where are you from? And I remember just saying, oh, you wouldn't know. 
You wouldn't know. I use it most of the time I say, is this the one next to LCA? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They all know LCA, but they wouldn't know. And it was okay because I was like, you know, I had laid that down. But I remember I got a call, I don't know, maybe it was two years ago. And it was a record producer uh, um, in Nashville that were, had a big record label, Christian and Worship. And I don't really talk about this, but I was a songwriter and did a lot of, wrote a lot of songs for different people and stuff uh, earlier, several years ago. And, um, but anyway, he called and he said, hey, man, um, we're going to do this album and I'd love for you guys to be on it. And what we're going to do is we're going to take 10 churches and each church is going to take a song write the song and then we're going to do this big album that's go national and all this kind of stuff and I'm like cool and so as he's talking to me about I could kind of tell that he didn't know that I had not been at the church that I was anymore and I said well John I'm not at that church anymore and he goes you're not and he goes yeah I'm, I'm at a church of like 100 people and he goes oh oh man I'm sorry I feel embarrassed he's like that, that's not going to work he said I'm sorry Jeff and he hung up and it was a moment I was like, uh, I was like, yep, there it, is, there it was, the thing that I wanted, that I've been, you know, loved to have. But you know what? It really didn't hurt as bad as I thought it would. Because I'd already made the decision. I'd already said, Lord, I'm pliable. I'd already said, I've just surrendered this to you, God. I don't need this. I don't need, I get more joy out of this than anything else. And I just didn't need it. And I got to this place of total surrender to the Lord. And that doesn't mean I'm not going to have issues with identity in the future. I will. We all do. Things that try to take more important place than Christ does. But I just think one of the ways that God gets us to that pliable heart is when we are able to go through the pruning process and be crushed and hurt and broken and misunderstood and all of that stuff and out of that comes this beautiful beautiful thing just that pours out of us it's this new life this new wine that comes because we we just said lord prune me prune me you know and there's a lot of stuff that i could talk about that, that try to try to give examples but you know what I'm going to let the Holy Spirit do that. I think the Holy Spirit's speaking of you about some things, some relationships, some things that you've been doing that have no life anymore, some things that the Lord's calling you to do. And, you, and, and just to, hey, I want you, I've been wanting to lay this aside and the Lord, this is your confirmation that yeah, that's the Lord speaking to you. Lay this aside. This is not important. This is too important. You've built an identity around this. Let God prune you. Let God prune you. So what I want to do, I want to, we've got a few extra minutes. Maybe we'll get out before the Baptist today. And uh, Caroline, will you, will you lead us in that? I want us all to stand up. This is a song we've been singing a while. I think it's really important today. In the crushing in the pressing you are making new wine in the 